Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. Hello, 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 and welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I hope everyone is having a very successful week two. I actually had a pretty good one for myself, not just for most of my fantasy leagues, not all, but most. But also a lot of good calls by me. I want to pat myself a little bit on the back because it's just as likely next week that I'll have a lot of wrong calls when you guys ask me a lot of questions. It's just how it works. It's how fantasy football is. It's how the NFL is. It's how unpredictable it is from week to week. It's a whole new season. And that's why you have to stay vigilant in your rosters and always putting yourself in the most probability, most favorable situations that you possibly can because that's the only way that you can over the long haul win most of your games. Remember, even if you're even 0-2, you still have a very good chance of making the playoffs if you stay vigilant with your rosters and you're able to make good moves from here on out. There's still trades, there's still waiver wire pickups to be made. Your teams will get better if you keep listening to this show. And we have a jam-packed one for you here today. Of course, today is the Monday edition, which means we have the recap show for all the Sunday games, except for the Sunday night game, which the Sunday night and the Monday night game will be in tomorrow's podcast for you guys. We'll recap that and have the waiver wire segment. That's always going to be our Tuesday edition of the show as I record this one on Sunday night. So this way, this gets out to you right away on Monday morning to get you all the information you need to be able to store away, all the analysis that you need to be able to store away and get moving forward to week three. Because whether you win or lose, it's all about 
looking ahead, putting the past behind you because now it becomes a whole new season, a whole new dilemma going into the following week. So that's what this show is for, is to get you an idea of how everything looked and what you can expect moving forward. And today, week two is where I'll start to tell you guys to start dropping players. And we're probably going to use the flush drop quite a bit in today's episode, for especially for a few guys off the top of my head that I can already think of as we go through these games because now we've gone to week two, a couple disappointing performances, and also not looking promising for their future output. And we'll get into those players as we go through the games. And of course, a lot of good things to go over as well. So we're going to go ahead, we're going to take a quick break, we're going to get right into it because we have a ton of games we have to cover between the 1 and 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon games. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts, but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. And the first game that we're going to kick off our analysis recap with is the Cardinals and the Ravens game. First, on the injury side of the ball, there are no injuries to really take us of note moving forward. Mark Ingram did get a little bit banged up in this one. He did leave for a little while, but he came back in and was able to play, finishing the game with 13 carries. Now, while it was not a ton of carries, it was by far the most as far as the running backs go, because then behind him was Gus Edwards, who only had three, and Justice Hill, who only had one carry. So Mark Ingram, as far as the running backs go, did dominate the carries, but the rushing game in general was fueled by Lamar Jackson in this one. He ran 16 times, 120 yards. He also tacked on 272 yards passing with two touchdowns, no turnovers, no interceptions. That's been the great thing about Lamar Jackson. He's not turned over the ball yet this season. Really a great staple for him, not giving away the game. He was 24 of 37 as far as completion percentage goes, and he looked great yet again with the Ravens coming out on top. Lamar Jackson is going to be a QB1 probably for the rest of the season, at least for the foreseeable future. He's going to be a guy you're going to be able to start week in and week out and expect top 10, possibly even top five performances out of the rest of the way because with him throwing the football the way that he is, with the Ravens' schedule the way that it is coming up and with his ability to run, because remember, he didn't run at all in the Miami game, but he does come out and rush around today. He's going to have a very high floor, and with his now newfound passing ability with his newfound weapons, he's going to have a high ceiling when it comes to throwing the football on top of it to go hand-in-hand. So Lamar Jackson's going to continue to be a guy who's going to be probably be my top five again next week, and you need to have him in your starting lineups if you have Lamar Jackson. For Mark Ingram, this was a disappointing game in the sense that against the Arizona Cardinals, I very much expected him to score at least a touchdown. Like he said, he got a little bit banged up and when they're in the red zone they were just kind of letting Lamar Jackson do his thing play actions letting him run the offense so we'll have to see next week if he gets back on track if he's healthy good to go I don't expect Mark Ingram to miss any time or anything like that like I said he came back in this game he should be fine better days are ahead Mark Ingram is still a guy that I have being able to find himself into the lower end of RB1 especially in half point and standard leagues Full point PPR leagues, he's more of a high level RB2, but he's going to be finishing amongst the top and running backs more times than not. He was even able to tack on two catches for 30 yards in this one, which is actually the lead 
pass catcher out of the backfield as well. He had two targets. Justice Hill also only had two targets, one catch for 10 yards in his own right. So Mark Ingram is definitely the man in the backfield for the Ravens moving forward. There's no concerns there. As far as the pass catchers go, let's start with Marquise Brown because he was the most targeted wide receiver. He was targeted 13 times in this game. And while he did not have the electrifying stat line that he had a week ago, he still had eight catches for 86 yards. And he played a lot more in this game too. Which means Marquise Brown, to me, has officially become a starter on the Baltimore Ravens. He is definitely going to be the go-to wide receiver for Lamar Jackson. And with his big playability, can hit a home run for you at any point. But being able to put up a performance like this, eight catches for 86 yards, not only is it a solid performance, but it also shows you that he may have a floor that you can sink your teeth into for the rest of the season and be able to play Marquise Brown as a as of now, because he's still just a young rookie and has only been two games, as of now, can consider him a lower-end wide receiver two with big-time wide receiver one upside on a week-to-week basis. But, frankly, what I'm saying is that Marquise Brown actually belongs in your starting lineups in almost all scoring formats on almost all teams at this point. So he became a crucial waiver wire pickup for you. That's why I was saying I would definitely spend my fab money on him last week while I was making him one of my top waiver priorities because he was a guy who, if he's going to get peppered with targets like he did in this week, he was somebody who's going to vastly become a starting wide receiver in your fantasy lineups. That will continue. Mark Andrews continues his dominant tight end ways. He will continue to be a top five for me throughout the season, most likely, as he tacked on eight catches for 112 yards and another touchdown in this matchup with nine targets. Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews were far and away the two guys Lamar Jackson was going to in the passing game, and I don't think that's going to change at any point this season. We may see get more. We may see more Miles Boykin get sprinkled in as the season progresses, but he's the only one who I think will have a legitimate. Uh, contribution to the passing game to rival with those two but it's Mark Andrews Marquise Brown with Lamar Jackson you know who the ball is going to it's clear cut and the Ravens right now are doing a great job and putting up fantasy points for you week in and week out with a great schedule coming up on the Cardinals side of the ball once again the offense didn't show any life until the fourth quarter now Having said that, Kyler Murray did go for 349 yards at the end of the day, 25 for 40. Again, a terrible completion percentage, but he didn't have any touchdowns in this game. Now, on the flip side, he didn't have any interceptions. But to go with those 349 yards, he did not run the football. He only attempted three rushes, only had four yards in this one, was running around for his life a lot of time under pressure constantly as that Arizona Cardinals offensive line proves to be a huge problem for them for the second week in a row, and I just suspect we'll continue to do so. There aren't going to be too many matchups where that line is going to be able to win the battle at the line of scrimmage. That's why David Johnson, I think, has one of the lower floors as far as those RB1s go, which does have me concerned to some degree. Now, David Johnson did get banged up in this one with a wrist injury, was able to come back in and play the rest of the game, so I think he will be okay for next week. He did get you the touchdown in this game, although he was putrid on the ground, and playing against the Ravens you're never going to expect much on the ground, but seven carries for 14 yards is definitely nothing to ride home about, and he only had one catch on one target in this matchup. Now, better days are ahead for David Johnson, and he salvaged your day with the touchdown, and like I said, the biggest thing is that he was knocked out for a part of the game here and was able to come back in, so the most important thing is that he should be available to you health-wise for, uh, for, you, for your matchups in the upcoming weeks. 
Chase Edmonds came in. He didn't get much work when he was in there. So I'm not worried about Chase Edmonds stealing any touches from David Johnson. He has pretty much been a non-factor over the past couple of weeks. It still is very much David Johnson's backfield by large margin. As far as the wide receivers go, they had two receivers did go over 100 yards in this matchup. Larry Fitzgerald went over 100 yards for the second week in a row. And for the second week in a row, had a big reception to add to his total. Had 11 targets, 5 catches, 104 yards, had a 54-yard catch in this one. so And this was a tough matchup. Yes, there was no Jimmy Smith, but this was still not going to be an easy team for them to generate offense on or for Larry Fitzgerald to get open. So Fitzgerald looks revitalized in this new offense. There's plenty of opportunities, plenty of up-tempo, plenty of pass first. So he's going to have those opportunities to give him a higher floor than you would normally expect out of Larry Fitzgerald, what we've seen over the past few years, where he's going to have more games where he's just going to, just by pure volume, is going to have a decent enough ceiling that you can play him as your lower end wide receiver two high end wide receiver three week in and week out and this offense really frankly at the end of the day has nowhere to go but up because so far most of their production has only come in the fourth quarter the last two weeks so we will see how this offense continues I do worry about them getting dominated line scrimmage. I do worry about them just getting out physical. But even in those matchups, the opportunities will be there for Larry Fitzgerald. So I believe he belongs in your starting lineups as well, especially if you're in PPR leagues. Christian Kirk did get off to a good start in this one. He had six catches for 114 yards on eight targets. Christian Kirk, to me, is going to be a guy who's going to be a high risk. You're playing him because of the volume of the offense, the volume of the plays, the volume of the throwing. But at the end of the day, I am not expecting Christian Kirk to be a week-in, week-out guy that you can trust, and he's going to have to do it for more than just this game before he elevates his status. Nobody else outside of that was really much of a factor in this game for the Cardinals, and those are really the only three guys, well, four guys if you count Kyler Murray, who I'm going to be entertaining on a potential week-to-week basis as far as my fantasy lineups go. The next game we have to recap is the Bills and the Giants. Now, in this one, it was kind of ugly, but most of you did try to stream Josh Allen. This was a good stream for him. He came up, he got you the rushing touchdown that you needed, and he did throw for a touchdown. And the biggest thing was he didn't get you any negative points because he did not turn the ball over in this one, which is always a big plus for Josh Allen. It's always going to help his fantasy potential. In games that he doesn't turn the ball over, he does set himself up in a position to have a decent enough floor. And that's kind of what he did in this game. He didn't go off like I think some people were hoping he would against the Giants after watching Dak Prescott, but he did do enough to give you a good stream, get you about 20 points, which you really can't ask for any more than that when you're plugging in a quarterback off the waiver wire, which a lot of you did with him today. It's going to be purely matchup based as far as when you can stream Josh Allen. He's still not somebody who I would want to have out there every single week. Hopefully you have another quarterback to be able to pair with him and I believe most of you do since Josh Allen was somebody who is not heavily drafted in all leagues. But moving forward, he is going to be matchup proof if you plan on hanging on to him. As far as injuries go with the backfield here, Devin Singletary, it looks scary there for a moment because it was a non-contact injury, but thankfully it was not the ACL like you will sometimes see that wind up being the case. It was a hamstring issue. Now, 
From the looks of it, it could wind up being a severe hamstring. We really won't know until the coming days. Make sure you're following me at Twitter, at MDSFFshow, to get all the latest news, update, notifications, and to be able to find out and be one of the first to find out exactly what is going on with Devin Singletary so you can adjust accordingly. I would not be dropping Devin Singletary. Hopefully, most of you play in leagues where there is an IR spot available. I would be plugging him in there. I would not drop him because depending on how long this injury winds up being, he was still by far showing he was the most talented running back back there. So when he comes back, he could have the opportunity to get that starting job back. In the meantime, though, Frank Gore will have all the carries to himself now. He had 19 carries in this one, 68 yards, only three and a half yards carry, but he actually did find the end zone for the first time, I think, in almost two years because he didn't find the end zone once with the Miami Dolphins a season ago, especially rushing the football. We will have to see what this winds up ha- what this winds up meaning with Devin Singletary possibly missing a decent amount of time. We could see TJ Yeldon now come into the fold and at least work in on passing down situations and use him in that capacity because I don't believe the plan will be to use Frank Gore everywhere on all three downs at least I hope it won't be for all of our sakes because that would just be some ugly football but I do think Yeldon will now get mixed in as he has not been utilized as of yet to this point, and now there will be a role and a spot opened up for him. As far as pass catchers go, John Brown is going to be the number one wide receiver on this team, and he actually had a decent game. Eight targets, seven catches, 72 yards. This was a matchup that if you wanted to play John Brown, this would be the matchup to do it against the Giants here. Didn't have the big 100-yard touchdown like he did a week ago, but this is still another solid performance and a very good one if you're in PPR leagues. Cole Beasley was decent in this game. Four targets, four catches, 83 yards. He's still nobody that should be relevant to you on your fantasy leagues though and outside of that I don't know if there's another pass catcher on the Buffalo Bills that's frankly even worth our time on the Giants side of the ball it's Saquon Barkley it's Evan Ingram and everyone else pretty much who cares as far as fantasy football goes Eli Manning was 26 of 45 250 yards touchdown two interceptions in this game looked like prototypical Eli Manning I was a little bit surprised it did not bring Daniel Jones into this game especially into the second half but they didn't do that I think that's because they don't want to create a quarterback controversy and Daniel Jones comes in two weeks in a row in a game that arguably was still somewhat competitive only being down a couple of scores I think you would have had that in New York and it does seem like Pat Shermer is not yet ready to have that quarterback controversy on his hands as of now. Saquon Barkley is always great. Saquon had 18 carries, 107 yards, a touchdown. He's always explosive, tacked on three catches for 28 yards on seven targets. And he has been heavily targeted the past couple of weeks and hasn't given you a lot as far as that goes. That will get better. The opportunities are there. The volume is there. We know with Saquon, it only takes one touch for him to take it to the house, and he's always going to get plenty of opportunity to do so. Saquon continues to be his RB1 self. Evan Ingram was a a little bit of a disappointment in this game. Only six catches for, well, I shouldn't say only six catches. The problem was only 48 yards and didn't score in this matchup. But he was actually only the second most targeted guy. Benny Fowler with no Sterling Shepard was the most targeted wide receiver in this one with 10. He's not somebody who I'm looking at for fantasy purposes whatsoever. I just thought it was interesting that he did have a couple more targets than Evan Ingram in this particular matchup. But moving forward, if you're looking to start a Giants, either gonna, obviously you start Saquon Barkley, but the only other one is Evan Ingram. Outside of that, I am staying away from this team as much as I possibly can as far as fantasy perspective goes. Next game up we're going to talk about is the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins in this one. 
Uh, again, no real injuries of note in this game, which is also good. Always good news when you don't have to talk about an injury in a game. We're going to get to some games where there are going to be a lot of injuries. Don't you worry. Uh, if, if you were, you shouldn't be. But Dak Prescott followed up his top-notch performance last week with another really good one. It took the Cowboys a little bit to get going in this game, but once they did, it was all hands on deck. Devin Smith had the big touchdown, and that's what jolted this offense into action on that 50-yarder that Dak Prescott threw him in the second quarter. And after that, Dak just took over. He was 26 of 30, 269 yards, three touchdowns, just one pick. Also tacked on 69 yards rushing. Dak Prescott is making a case now the second week in a row that he may be a top-10 quarterback throughout the rest of the season, especially in the foreseeable future, in his own right and competing for top five. So him and Lamar Jackson making names for themselves and competing amongst the best for those top quarterback spots. They're going to be QB1s from here on out. Dak just looks really good in this Kellen Moore offense. I mean, the Cowboys offense in general just looks like they're on a whole new level with the development of Michael Gallup and with Kellen Moore now calling the plays. And I thought this may have a chance to happen. And it, it would. It had, it had a chance to happen because you have Kellen Moore, who comes from a younger generation of play calling. You know he had a lot of ideas. He has a lot of great ways. He comes from Boise State. He's come from offensive minds who are great at stretching the field and having to make defenses cover every inch from sideline to sideline and using motion. And Dak Prescott looks like not only does he have a strong handle in this offense, but he will thrive in this offense. He looks back to where he was in his rookie season when we have all thought that there may be something special to this guy. He has really impressed me the past two weeks, and I believe he will continue to do so. And he has all the weapons in the world to put himself in a great position. Amari Cooper got you the touchdown in this one. Didn't have a big production as far as yards go. Five targets, four catches, 44 yards, but does find the end zone. Michael Gallup was solid in this game. Eight targets, six catches, 68 yards. Even Jason Witten found the end zone for the second time in a row. Now, I know I'm going to get some questions on Jason Witten because, like I said, that was the second touchdown in a row. So people are going to be like, oh, well, can we play Jason Witten? Because all you need is your tight end to get a touchdown. And I'm going to say that that is no. I it was I was actually laughing to myself when I watched him score that touchdown because it just defies logic that he would make himself relevant in that way. And I don't think this is something in this touchdown streak is going to continue. And outside of scoring touchdowns, he's only gotten 20 yards a piece each game. So nothing to write home about. Jason Wynn's not somebody at the tight end position who I'm going to be looking to pick up. So don't get ahead of yourselves as far as that goes. Just stick with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, and Dak Prescott as your fantasy Cowboy players. And that includes Randall Cobb. I know Randall Cobb had a decent game last week. This week, did have six targets, had five catches, but only 24 yards. I don't think there's ever going to be a week where you're going to know when to play Randall Cobb unless you're in really deep league. So he's also somebody who I'm not going to be riding home out in this game. Elliott here, we didn't talk about him too much. 23 carries, 111 yards, a touchdown. I told all of you guys that after week one, after he was able to get his legs under him, they would go back to giving Zeke at least the ball at least 20 times a game. Is exactly what they did in this one. He did tack on two catches for nine yards on two targets. I think he will eventually become more involved in the passing game too, but Zeke is back to being Zeke, and that's the most important thing you take out of because this wasn't an easy matchup against a pretty good front seven against the Washington Redskins. On the Redskins side, 
Case Keenum comes back down the reality a little bit. He still had two touchdowns, but 221 yards. That's more of a stat line where we're going to get to see Case Keenum be. Having said that, let's look at the guys who actually were able to take advantage, even though he had a much lower yards percentage, and that was Terry McLaurin. Second week in a row, he finds the end zone. Five catches, 62 yards on nine targets. He is the number one wide receiver on the Redskins, and this is a team that's going to have to come back from behind a lot, I think, this year because of the inconsistent play that you can count on from their offense and because that secondary is very vulnerable, especially to offenses that have speed and can hit the deep ball. So they're going to have to be coming back in a lot of situations. Terry McLaurin is, he's not a guy who I'm definitely going to start like Marquise Brown, just because I still don't like his quarterback play nearly as much as a guy like Marquise Brown. I hate Case Keenum compared to Lamar Jackson. So I do think there's going to be some inconsistencies that just, just come because of who his quarterback is. But Terry McLaurin is making a case where he should be at least considered a high-end wide receiver three. So if you're in leagues that play three receivers, he can be a starter for you. He can be a flex consideration week in and week out. The volume is going to be there. Chris Thompson was once again very involved in the passing game here. Five catches, 48 yards. He's somebody who's a low-end flex on a week-in, week-out basis in PPR leagues only. He's going to have even bigger weeks than that, I think, moving forward now with him and just AP sharing the sharing the rock load in the backfield with him having the passing down work, AP getting involved in the rushing game. But AP in this one actually had a decent little reception. He only had 10 carries of 25 yards, wasn't very efficient, but this wasn't going to be a very good matchup for them anyway. He did find a rushing touchdown here. AP should be owned in all leagues. Just pick your spots when you play him. If it's going to be a matchup where it's A, a good matchup for the running game, and B, a matchup where the Redskins can be expected to at least be competitive in the game, then those are games that AP can play. If it's not in that situation, I don't know how much I'm going to play AP. Like this week, even though we knew he was going to be the starter going in, I don't know how much I really would want him to play AP against a defense like the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know how much I'm going to want to play him when they play the Philadelphia Eagles. So just those kind of matchups, keep that in mind. But there's going to be weeks where you're going to be able to start AP as your RB2. And we'll have to wait and see what happens when Jordan Reed does come back. Maybe he'll be able to come back next week. He has been out the last two weeks now with the concussion. We'll have to see what happens. They were optimistic earlier on in the week last week and then he didn't wind up clearing concussion protocols like he was expected to towards the later part of the week. So something to keep an eye on. But there is somebody else on this offense I think could emerge themselves as a guy that you might want to look at, especially for the tight end position. Because Vernon Davis has been decent. He didn't have a big stat line in this one. Only three catches, 29 yards on four targets. But you can tell that the Redskins are hungry for somebody in the middle to step up. And that person could be Jordan Reed when he comes back from injury. For however long until his next injury, of course. Our next game that we're going to talk about here real quick is the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. This was a good game as far as NFL purposes go. And if you have Dalvin Cook, it was fantastic as far as fantasy goes. Dalvin Cook in here, 20 carries, 154 yards, a touchdown, 75-yard touchdown run. He looks explosive as ever. He doesn't look hindered by his injuries at all. This We knew from last week that it was clear this system fit him to a T, and he is thriving in it. Absolutely, positively thriving in this system. And as long as he is healthy and on the field, Dalvin Cook will continue to be an RB1 from here on out for me. He had three catches, 37 yards on three targets that tack on in the passing game, and the passing game was very abysmal. 
Kirk Cousins was terrible in this game. Quite, uh, he's the reason they lost this game because they were set up in a position to get pulled ahead, and he just threw a boneheaded play, a play I don't usually see a veteran quarterback try to make where he just was pedaling backwards and just threw it up for grabs in the corner of the end zone and got predictably picked off after that point. I expect Kirk Cousins to get better. He is a bit of a streaky quarterback. So when he gets hot, he's hot. When he's cold, he's very, very cold. Right now, he's going through a bit of a cold streak the last two weeks. Not not necessarily talking up Kirk Cousins. He'll get better as in you want to stream him. There could be a point where that does still happen at some point this season. He shouldn't be the guy you're going to for your quarterback situation. But you do want Kirk Cousins and nothing else to get better if you're an Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs owner. Better days are ahead for both of these guys. Adam Thielen had a solid game in this one. Eight targets, five catches, 75 yards. Stephon Diggs had the second most targets. He had seven, but only one catch for 49 yards and a touchdown. So he still winds up salvaging your fantasy day. But it was definitely it was definitely concerning to see Stephon Diggs have to struggle to get involved for the second week in a row. It was definitely difficult to see Adam Thielen be held out of the end zone this particular week there should have been a matchup where usually they do beat up the Green Bay Packers now Stephon Diggs could have had a much better game here if Kirk Cousins wasn't throwing the ball so badly because he was getting open so that wasn't the issue better days are ahead for Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen but in the meantime they actually weren't terrible for you for fantasy even though Kirk Cousins was absolutely horrible in this matchup so it just shows you that Things will get better for them. They will be back up to being their low-end wide receiver ones, high-end wide receiver two selves, probably sooner rather than later as this offense continues to get better. And I do do expect the Vikings offense to get better as the season goes. On the Packers side of the ball, they came out offensively and looked great in the first quarter, particularly, and a little bit into the second quarter. They looked like they had taken a they looked like they had put themselves in a situation where they throughout whatever that ridiculous playbook was against the Chicago Bears and actually played to their strengths, which was letting Aaron Rodgers air the ball out, throwing the ball to set up the run rather than the other way around. Now, the problem was that only lasted through the first half because after that, in the second half, they played... They went back to old Matt LaFleur, Tennessee Titan offense, where all of a sudden he just wanted to lean on the running game, set up conservative play-action plays. They played not to lose for the rest of the game, which is why, had it not been for the terrible play of Kirk Cousins, they probably would have wound up losing this game. So we have to see if that gets cleaned up. We saw Aaron Rodgers kind of getting on Matt LaFleur, especially in that second half towards the end. Of course, they downplay it in the press conference, but that is something to watch because that's the second week in a row now where Aaron Rodgers he didn't he didn't he didn't fight Matt LaFleur out in public last week, but he did ignore him pretty much completely after they won the game against Chicago, went over to the defense coach, congratulated him, and Matt LaFleur, it, it's just clear to me that Aaron Rodgers is not a big fan of Matt LaFleur. That that it's just clear to me that that's the case. So we're gonna have to see what that trickles down to as far as offense production goes. Because so far, for fantasy purposes, Rodgers hasn't been great through the first two weeks. Now, these are probably his two toughest matchups of the year, Chicago and Minnesota. And, of course, when he plays them again the second time, because they have two really good defenses back-to-back. And his matchups will make things easier. And he'll get. I expect him to get back on track as far as fantasy purposes go soon. And he'll have, he had two touchdowns in this one, only 209 yards. But this is something to watch if the Packers' offense is going to be held back from a con- aggressive standpoint that I think Rodgers would like them to be more so 
if Matt LaFleur is going to continue his conservative philosophy, which is clear that he is trying to implement. Aaron Jones was much better in this game. Now this is a surprise to me. I didn't think Aaron Jones was going to play particularly well against the Minnesota Vikings, who do have a good defense here. But he had 23 carries, 116 yards, a touchdown. He was efficient all throughout the game. He was getting chunks every time he was handed off the ball. And he just looked much better here. A lot of that had to do with, in the first half, they were able to open up the running game with the pass. In the second half, though, he was still pretty good, even though they weren't doing too much offensively outside of him. Devontae Adams got back on track in this one. Seven catches, 106 yards on nine targets. I know Xavier Rhodes is a top-end corner, but for whatever reason, Devontae Adams eats him up alive almost every time they face off, no matter how good Xavier Rhodes is against anybody else in the league. I don't know what it is, but it's good for you if you're a Devontae Adams owner. And it was good to see him get back on track after the bad game last week. I even had a couple people try to ask me if they should bench Devontae Adams. Uh, just a word of advice to you for future references. Don't bother asking me if you should bench Devontae Adams because the answer is no. There's no scenario in which you bench your number one wide receiver. None. Outside of Devontae Adams, though, the passing game was anemic. The one call, one well, not the one. One of the calls that I did get wrong this week was Jimmy Graham. I thought he would be more involved. Minnesota has a tendency to give up some points to the tight end position. So I thought Jimmy Graham might have an opportunity here. And he had two targets, no catches, no nothing, was completely irrelevant. So he goes back to a guy who is strictly a matchup-based tight end play, who if you want to take a flyer on because he might have a red zone target, you can. Otherwise, you may just want to find a better option option than Jimmy Graham. And there should be other ones out there. Most of you didn't draft Jimmy Graham. Most of you picked him up going into this week, uh, but he's not somebody you can count on on a week-in, week-out basis. We're going to have to watch to see how this offense goes moving forward. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had tied with the team with the most targets with Aaron Jones, had six apiece. Uh, Scantling only had three catches for 19 yards, though, in this one. Geronimo Allison was the one who got the touchdown. Four catches, 25 yards, though, on five targets. So outside of the touchdown, wasn't really that effective. However, it was nice to see him get back involved into the offense. They're going to need Geronimo Allison to at least be a factor. He was completely forgotten about in the Chicago game. So it was nice to see him bounce back, too. We're going to take a quick break right here. Come back. We got more games to recap. Don't you worry on the other side. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Woo-wee. Well, coming out the break, the first thing we want to talk about is the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins, or the Collegiate Dolphins. I don't, I don't even know if that's a real professional team out there right now. I don't know how it can be considered to be one, because frankly, it looked like to me the Patriots' offense kind of just sleepwalked and just kind of did whatever they felt like doing this game, and the Dolphins still lost 43 to nothing. 43 to nothing. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
winner. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Look, I don't know what the Dolphins are trying to do. I will say, though, I think it's a little weird that no one's holding Flores' feet to the fire, at least as far as starting Josh Rosen over Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had three picks in this game already. Now, Rosen didn't look great, but he still had a better stat line than Fitzpatrick did coming into this game. And on top of it, you gave up a second-round pick for Josh Rosen. Presumably to see what he has. Presumably to see if he could be your future. Because right now, you're setting up to probably go 0-16. Because that's how bad your team looks. It's not even the lack of talent the Miami Dolphins. Because they have some talent in some places. It's the fact that that team doesn't want to be out there. And it was pretty clear after week one, after we had the reports of multiple players trying to get off, off the team or and their young second-year best defensive player in Mika Fitzpatrick is actually trying to seek out a trade. And also the report coming in this morning that Kenyon Drake is being shopped. But my God, they don't want to be out there. This is a team that quit, and we just we just closed out week two. And this is a team that quit already. Something something is going to have to roll in Miami. Now, as far as fantasy purposes go, uh, let's start off with Devontae Parker. And this is what I have to say about Devontae Parker now after week two. Prepare to be flushed. Yeah, you can go ahead and dump him. He could be the first player off of your benches. I was one of the few people that was still holding out hope for Devontae Parker. I like his talent. I thought he was in a situation where at least he would be on the field and starting, and that has been the case. But I was not prepared for a team to just outright have no fight in them or have any kind of willpower to utilize their playmakers in any kind of way anyway. So I don't think you can you can play him. And even even you know, Preston Williams, who's actually been decent the last two games, he's not roster worthy. Nobody on this Miami Dolphins team is roster worthy. Kenyon Drake is the only player who I will keep on my roster. Not to play him while he's a Miami Dolphin, but I will keep him on my roster because I do believe he will be traded at some point. Now I don't know if it's imminent as the reports this morning would perhaps suggest to some people. But I do believe Kenyon Drake will get traded before the deadline this season, and probably before that. I wouldn't be surprised if it was over the next few weeks that he gets traded. And if that's the case, I kind of want to see where he winds up, because he's a hell of a talent. And if he winds up in a good situation where he could get a good amount of work on a decent offense... I want to be around and still have Kenyon Drake on my team for when that happens and not lose out on it because I dropped him off in the waivers and all of a sudden somebody else gets to scoop him up now for value because he got to switch teams. Kind of like the LaShawn McCoy factor. Nobody really wanted to draft LaShawn McCoy when he was on Buffalo, but now he's on Kansas City, and we're going to talk about that game because his value might have just went up even higher after today. Now he's on Kansas City, all of a sudden we're like, well, he actually might have value. And his value might get stronger as the season goes on. Kenyon Drake could be in that position if he does wind up getting traded. And I think that he will sooner rather than later. So that's the only reason I'm keeping Kenyon Drake. But as long as he's wearing a Miami Dolphin uniform, 
I'm how can you play him? How can you play anybody on this team? He led the way at least this time. He had six carries for 19 yards, five catches for 29 yards. Was second in target, tied with Preston Williams, who had four catches for 63 yards. But the Dolphins have officially become just a fantasy wasteland. And their number one target receiver was Devontae Parker. Seven targets, zero catches. He has Stephon Gilmore on him, it's true. But the quarterback play is so abysmal. This team is such a laughing stock. This looks like an 0-16 team to me. And pretty much, you're going to be in a situation where whenever you have a matchup against Miami Dolphins, you start all of your players that you have going against the Miami Dolphins. And if you're streaming defenses, if you can get your hands on a defense that's playing the Dolphins, do so. Maybe, perhaps even to the point, if it's a decent defense, a week or two in advance. Because everyone's going to be trying to pick up a defense playing the Dolphins if they have the opportunity to do so. But that's going to be pretty much the game plan. They're going to be your little cheat code, your little bye week. I know what to do if I have a matchup with the Dolphins. I know what to do if I can get my hands on the defense playing against the Dolphins. It's going to be that simple, that easy all season long. This oh, this team, if they do go 0-16, it might be worse than that Browns team that went 0-16. They might have even less talent. Because the one thing about that Browns team went 0-16, they actually didn't quit which was surprising for a team that went 0-16. But they didn't quit, and they definitely didn't quit at Week 2. This team quit already, which is scary. On the Patriots side of the ball, we have a lot of fantasy things to talk about. Brady was good, 264 yards, two touchdowns. At the end of the day, he still got you a good fantasy performance, still got you a, we'll see what the what the leaders wind up being after this week, but he'll definitely be a QB1. We'll see whether he winds up in the top five or not. You might be a little disappointed he didn't get you 300 yards and at least three touchdowns against this Miami team. But like I said, their offense came in and kind of just did what they wanted to. They used it as a practice, which I thought could be a possibility and was a reason why I was telling everyone today and leading up to this week that I had Antonio Brown as a starter. I had him just outside my wide receiver ones. I had him number 13, so I had him as a top-end wide receiver two because I figured there's no reason to not get him involved even only after a week because it's against the Dolphins. It's basically just practice time. He had four catches, 56 yards. He found the end zone on eight targets. The key thing about Antonio Brown here, though, was that he could have been a lot better because Brady was targeting him like crazy in the red zone today. Like crazy. And he was the most targeted wide receiver. By far. It wasn't even close. Tied for second. Or not, I'm sorry, Josh Gordon was actually second, believe it or not, with five targets, only two catches, 19 yards. And then after that, James White and Julian Edelman had four targets apiece. Now, I think that will they'll play against more competitive teams. They will break down that target share a little bit more evenly, especially with Julian Edelman's case. I believe Julian Edelman will be closer to Antonio Brown. This was a game in which they wanted to show off their new toy, and I suspected that they would and would be able to do so with ease because of the Dolphins. But as far as that goes, I think Antonio Brown is going to be the number one wide receiver of the Patriots, without a doubt. It looks like Brady's already has a comfortability with looking for him even after a week. While Josh Gordon, it could be encouraging to you that he had the second most targets on the team. It's the way they're utilizing him. He's going to have to be a big player bust wide receiver for the rest of the year, I believe. That's going to kind of be the problem with Josh Gordon. So he's he's basically going to be a wide receiver for boomer bust play for you throughout throughout the entire season. Edelman, I'm still not worried about Edelman. He did an Edelman thing, four catches, 51 yards. He's good to you in PPR leagues and standard leagues, half point PPR leagues. He's more of a wide receiver, 
low, low, a high end wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two. He's going to have weeks where he has a lot more catches than that, but it's Julian Edelman for you. He doesn't. He has a good floor. He's not never going to have a high ceiling. Sony Michelle kind of got back on track in this game. Twenty one carries, but only eighty five yards. While it does come out to a four yards per carry, and I'm not concerned about it, I did think it was kind of weird that on 21 carries against Miami Dolphins, he didn't get you 100. But he does find the end zone in this game, and he just continues to establish himself as the runner. When they go to run the football, it is going to be Sony Michelle. The next guy was Rex Burkhead with five carries. So there's there's actually not much of a competition at the running back position as far as who's carrying the football when they do run it. So that's the good news coming out of the Patriots. They still are rotating running backs like crazy as far as overall snaps. But when it comes to carries, it's definitely hands down Sony Michelle. And if you have Antonio Brown, you can take this game and know that this is probably actually one of his lower output games that he's going to have. And they are already targeting him like crazy right off the bat. You can feel good about Antonio Brown making his way back into the wide receiver one conversation after this week. For the 49ers and the Bengals, San Francisco, my team, are looking pretty good. I I say that with hesitation. I still don't think the team is for real. And while they won last week, I thought that was more Tampa Bay losing than us winning. But this, this game was San Francisco winning. They came in, they dominated at Cincinnati. Didn't think that would wind up being the case. Jimmy Garoppolo looked much better than he did a week ago. I mean, it was almost night and day, the type of quarterback that we saw from a week ago. Part of that had to do they got the run game going in this one. Matt Breida, 12 carries, 121 yards. Raheem Mostert, 13 carries, 83 yards. Even got 10 carries to Jeff Wilson Jr., who only had 34 yards, but was the running back who had the two touchdowns. And everybody involved in this game. Garoppolo himself was 297 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Like I said, a much different player. Debo Samuel was the receiver who led the way for the day. Five catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets. Coming into this game, there was a lot of talk that his snap share would be hurt by Dante Pettis getting more workload, and that was not the case at all. In fact, Dante Pettis not even targeted in this game. And now after two weeks of pretty much no production, we can officially do this to Dante Pettis. Prepare to be flushed. I know some people were already dropping him last week. I told you guys to hang on to him for one more week. I wanted to see if he was back being fully healthy. Would he then get the opportunity to start? And that question was answered this week with a big resounding no from Kyle Shanahan. Now, and on top of that, like I said, leading into the week, if he was going to play more, they kept talking about taking away from Debo Samuel. What I'm not understanding is why Marquise Goodwin's starting position is so unquestioned right now. I don't, I don't know what Marquise Goodwin has done to make him an unequivocal starter for this team, but apparently he was never in doubt of losing his starting spot. Now, he did have three catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. A touchdown came on a 38-yarder, a 38-yarder where there was clearly a blown coverage. There was nobody within 15 yards of him in coverage. So it was a blown coverage here. So his stat line looks a lot better than what he was, what how he played in this game. He was probably the one 49er who I wasn't really all that impressed with, to be frank. 
Raheem Mostert, to add to his good rushing game here for 13 carries, 84 yards, he did tackle another three catches for 68 yards and a touchdown on a 39-yard scamper for four targets. He was more targeted than Matt Breida. He was more utilized in that. And he's more getting he's getting more utilized like Tevin Coleman was going to. As in, he's going to be utilized in the passing game. For whatever reason, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, they don't seem to want to utilize Matt Breida that much in the passing game. It's just I don't know if it's just a way of limiting his touches or whatever the case may be. But Raheem Mostert was actually by far, I shouldn't say by far, because all three running backs got touches in this game, but was the lead running back in the sense that he had the most touches. He came out of this game with 16. Brito had only had 13 total. Jeff Wilson Jr. only had 10 total. So Raheem Mostert, with no Tevin Coleman around, was the lead touch guy. And he's going to have flex appeal value for you, especially in plus matchups like this one against the Cincinnati Bengals defense, which we know is a good matchup, especially for running backs. He's going to have flex appeal for you until Tevin Coleman comes back, which could be a month from now depending on how that high ankle sprain works out. So Raheem Mostert, if you didn't already pick him up, and I told you guys last week to pick him up, but if you didn't already pick him up and he is still available for you, he is a guy who you're going to be able to play in your flex most weeks for the next month at least. So keep that in mind too. George Kittle, better days are ahead. A little bit of disappointment here. Three targets, three catches, 54 yards. He's he's going to find the end zone soon. He's going to get he's going to get back up there. He's going to be the you know week in, week out, tight end one for you that you drafted him to be. Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely looking for him. There was, again, just like last week, a couple big plays that he did have that were called back due to uh, penalty. So I'm not worried about George Kittle at the end of the day. You'll be just fine. You'll have your elite tight end. On the Cincinnati Bengals side of the ball, first you got to talk about Joe Mixon. Did wind up playing in this game, but was pretty much a non-factor. 11 carries, 17 yards. Look, better days are ahead. Hopefully he didn't re-injure it nothing we heard of from the game but sometimes these reports come out you know a day or two later on a monday or a tuesday so just you know make sure you follow me on twitter at mdsff show for any player news up-to-date notifications there but i expect joe mixon to be healthier going into he's going to be better he is a very good running back this is a good system better days are ahead for joe mixon don't don't hit the panic button on him just yet that would be my advice to you guys the passing game even though the Bengals only put up 17 points, was very productive in this one. Andy Dalton didn't have a particularly good completion percentage, 26-42, but did go for 311 yards, did go for two touchdowns, one interception. The last touchdown came on a big one to John Ross at the very end of the game. His last pass that he actually threw at the end of the game on a 66-yarder. John Ross, you know, has wound up having a big fantasy day off of it. Andy Dalton wound up having a big fantasy day off of it because Ross was able to go over 100 yards on four catches with that touchdown at the end of the game. Eight targets was the second most targeted receiver, but the guy who really dominated throughout this game was Tyler Boyd. Ten catches, 122 yards, ten targets. If the Cincinnati Bengals are going to continue to throw this amount of volume, Tyler Boyd, regardless of A.J. Green, is going to have great value. And even when A.J. Green comes back, he's going to have great value. He's a great PPR receiver, and we knew he was going to be a better PPR receiver than any other scoring format. But he's taken another step up. Last year, he took a step up, became relevant after he looked like maybe he was starting to trend towards being a bust. This year, he looks like he's he's even run better routes this year. I mean, he's that big bodied slot receiver. He is a, a Cooper Cup type. And I think talent-wise, he could be on the same level, especially in running in a sim- similar type of offense here. So 10 catches, 122 yards on 10 targets. 
Tyler Boyd is a solid wide receiver too, and in PPR leagues is going to give you top-notch play week in and week out. You can start him and not have to think about it, no matter what the matchup is. Because as a slot receiver, you're going to get targeted more, and this is an offense that's running more up-tempo and throwing the ball a ton. They threw it 50 times last week. They threw it over 40 times this week. I expect that trend to continue until Joe Mixon is healthy and they're able to establish the run, which may not be at any point this season, on a consistent basis at least, because that offensive line is so bad. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Tyler Eifert did get in the end zone here. That was nice to see as he's been trying to make a comeback trail, but he's still nothing that's any relevance to you as far as fantasy purposes go. Next game, we got to talk about the Seattle Seahawks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, we do have some injuries to talk about in this one. Ben Roethlisberger went out in this game with an elbow injury. You, if you were watching the game, you could see for pretty much the entire second quarter, well, end of the first quarter into the second quarter, he kept shaking his hand. He kept shaking his arm. You could see that there was something wrong. Eventually, he just came out. I think there's something wrong with his elbow. I think he was losing feeling. I think he was trying to shake it to, as getting that, like, you know, that sleep feeling out of his arm, trying to get some feeling back in there, trying to get some numbness out. And I don't think it ever went away. So that's why they had to go to get Ben Roethlisberger checked out. Now, Mason Rudolph came in and he played well. 12, 12 for 19, 112 catches, 112 yards, excuse me, two touchdowns, a pick. He kept them in this game. He almost brought them back to win this game at home. Uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was somebody who had as a big bounce back candidate. They had the whole offense as a big bounce back candidate. As a result, you know, can't do anything when you get injured, though. So that's that's something you just can't you can't predict going into the week. Uh, another injury of note was James Conner, and this one might be a little bit more concerning because he did he went out with a knee. He didn't come back in this game. We don't know exactly how severe it is. That's something we'll definitely find out in the next coming days as well. He did have a touchdown in this game, but it was eleven carries for thirty three yards. Uh, three catches, twelve yards on four targets. So outside of the touchdown, he wasn't great. We're going to have to see what happens. When he's out, that's when you're going to see a committee in Pittsburgh. If he's going to miss a significant amount of time, it's going to be Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels. Jalen Samuels is taking up, of course, the passing down duties. The question will be how much does him and Benny Snell share the workload as far as the carries go? I would venture to say that it doesn't really matter. I would not be rushing to the waiver wire to pick up Benny Snell. Even if it is going to be a quote-unquote committee if James Conner is going to miss a significant amount of time. The reason being is that the Steelers have shown that they are going to be pass first come hell or high water. They are not looking to be a balanced offense. Now maybe if Ben is also going to wind up missing a significant amount of time, we'll have to see if that changes with Mason Rudolph. They may want to ease off a little bit, be a little bit more conservative in that situation. We're going to have to see how that works out. But let's assume Ben is able to come back to play sooner rather than later just because I have more faith that that will be the case after seeing the injuries on Sunday. 
it's going to be Jalen Samuels who you're going to want. It's going to be kind of like the Austin Eckler-Justin Jackson situation where Justin Jackson gets some carries, but Eckler gets carries too, and he gets all the passing down work. The similar situation can wind up happening with Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels. And I don't think Benny Snell is really that great at football. I wasn't a big fan of his coming out in college. I don't think he's that explosive of a runner. At least with Justin Jackson, you know if he gets the if he gets the ball 10 times, he might break one. You're not going to get that with Benny Snell. Jalen Samuels is going to get worked on passing downs. So he'll get some carries. So especially in PPR leagues, Samuels is the guy you're going to want to have if Connor's going to miss a significant amount of time. We don't know anything yet. There hasn't been any reports as of recording this late Sunday night. But it's something to keep in mind. It's something I am a little bit concerned of as the point. As this point, as far as the pass catchers go, Juju Smith-Schuster, five catches, 84 yards on eight targets, was the most targeted guy again. Didn't find the end zone in this one. He's a guy whose value is always going to take a little bit of a hit if he has Mason Rudolph as his quarterback and not Ben Roethlisberger. But at the end of the day, his volume will still be there. He'll still be a good receiver. He'll still be working from the slot. So I'm not too worried about Juju Smith-Schuster. He'll still be a wide receiver too for you, if nothing else. Um, if Mason Rudolph is a guy, he'll be back up to his competing for wide receiver one status if, ben, when, if and when Ben comes back. So I'm not too worried about Schuster. I know he's not getting off to the start. Everybody wanted him to, but I'm not hitting the panic button. Vance McDonald is able to reestablish and make himself relevant again with the two touchdowns that he had in this game. Only had seven. He had seven catches on seven targets, only for 38 yards, but does get the two touchdowns. And both of those touchdowns came with Mason Rudolph as the quarterback in this game. So he obviously shows they do have a rapport when they get in the red zone. You drafted Vance McDonald with the idea that he would be one of the main red zone threats for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. So even if Big Ben does not play, you can still play Vance McDonald as a lower tier tight end one, tight end two with touchdown potential week in and week out. That's what he's going to be for you. And you can still play him with that idea in mind. As far as everybody else goes, pretty much fantasy irrelevant. And we're actually going to add one more guy to our flush hit real quick right here. Prepare to be flushed. And that drop, that time was for two players, Dante Moncrief and James Washington. Neither one of them did much of anything in this game. And on top of it, if Big Ben is going to miss any kind of time, I do not trust anybody who's not Schuster or Vance McDonald or whoever the running back happens to be to be involved in the passing game with any kind of consistency moving forward for this team. So you can go ahead and move on from Dante Moncrief and James Washington, in my opinion, regardless of how long or how short Ben misses. I just... Moncrief, I think, will have some value again at some point this season. But for now, if you need the roster spot, there's no reason to keep him on your team. On the, on the, I almost said the Vikings, almost on the, on the Seahawks side of the ball, Wilson actually had a really good game for a, his first good game in September. And I don't even know how long 300 yards, three touchdowns in this one, tacked on 22 yards rushing. Looks great. The entire game picked apart the Steelers secondary in this one, went deep hit Tyler Lockett 10 times, and I told you guys he was going to come back and hit Tyler Lockett and look at him on a more volume basis in this matchup after everybody was like, oh, he might just be a big play guy again after last week. I was like, no, he's going to be the number one target guy at the end of the season, at the end of the day. Came back in this one with 12 targets, by far the most targeted wide receiver, 10 catches, 79 yards. Didn't find the end zone in this one, but this shows you the volume. This is more like the volume that he's going to expect to see throughout the season than what we saw a week ago go and he does have the big play capability 
DK Metcalf, three catches, 61 yards, seven targets, does get the touchdown in this game. This is the second week in a row. He's been the, he's actually last week, he was the most targeted wide receiver. This week, he's the second most targeted wide receiver. It's showing that he's going to have a big rookie year. He is. As a rookie wide receiver, he's going to be fantasy relevant on a near week in and week out basis. I'm still going to play him based on matchup, but it's clear that Russell Wilson, when he wants to take a shot, when he wants to throw a 50 50 ball, He's looking for DK Metcalf. And outside of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, there's nobody else on this team that really demands targets anyway, including the backfield. Because Chris Carson, he had three targets, three catches, 27 yards. Rashad Penny only had one target, one catch for three yards. So even the backfield's not that involved in the passing game. It's Tyler Lockett, it's DK Metcalf. We'll see if David Moore is able to get sprinkled in when he comes back off of injury. But I'm not too worried about him, especially with how well DK Metcalf is playing right now. So you're going to be able to know that you're going to have a decent floor when it comes to Metcalf this season. We already know you're going to have that floor with Tyler Lockett. As far as the running game in this one goes, Rashad Penny was more utilized in this game, unlike last week. 10 carries, 62 yards, had a touchdown in this one. Chris Carson was still solid, 15 carries, 60 yards. The only difference was he didn't find the end zone in this game. But this is more of what I would suspect we see out of Seattle as far as the usage goes. You know, Chris Carson leading the way as far as carries, but Rashad Penny carving out a role for himself as well. What we saw last week, I just, I think that was a little bit weird last week. I don't think that's really going to show you what you can expect to see out of Seattle moving forward. Uh, I'm not going to start Rashad Penny. It was still just one week. I, I still have to see him make sure that he has this type of role week in and week out moving forward. But I do think this is more what you can expect from here on out. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna take a quick break right here. I had to think about it for a second. We're gonna take a quick break right here. We have more games to talk about on the other side. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. All right, we still got about six more games to go through this podcast. We're going to get through these a little bit quicker. We're kind of up against it as far as time goes, as usual, because there's always a lot of content. We're going over the recap games because I like to be thorough for you guys. Make sure you got all the information you need to know before heading into next week if you weren't able to see all of the games, because I go back and watch all these games on Game Pass, so I'm pretty much clued in exactly what happened throughout these games. I'm not just reading you stats off of a box score when I do recap this game for you to be the best piece of information that I can give you and the best the best tool that I can be for you. Uh, but we're, yeah, we're going to pick it up here a little bit uh, and get through these next six games. So next up, we have the Chargers and the Lions here. Phillip Rivers, disappointing. He didn't have a touchdown on this one. 293 yards, which is fine. Had a pick. 21 of 36. This was a bigger defensive battle for the most part in general in this game than I was expecting it to be. Biggest thing though, Austin Eckler, 17 carries again in this game. 66 yards, had the rushing touchdown. Looked good too, leaped from that goal line. Justin Jackson again only had about seven carries. Once again though, Justin Jackson looked good on the touches that he did get. Seven carries for 59 yards, had a 40-yarder in this one. So I keep waiting for it to happen. It just it really does seem like they want to lean on Austin Eckler to be the starter. I keep thinking that's not going to happen the entire time Melvin Gordon's out, but you know what? What do I know? This is the second week in a row. He's gotten a pretty similar production 
as far as volume goes, maybe this is what we can come to suspect. But I do think Justin Jackson has earned the right to get a few more touches. We'll see how that goes. Eckler did tack on another six catches for 67 yards on six targets in this one on top of it. We know he's going to be the factor in the passing game. That comes as no surprise. And as long as Austin Eckler is out there with his pass-catching ability serving as his floor, he seems to be an RB1 as long as Melvin Gordon is not coming back and not ending his holdout, which still is not expected to happen until at least late October, beginning of November. Keenan Allen was great in this game. Uh, Didn't quite live up to the number one wide receiver that I made him out to be as far as PPR stats go because he didn't find the end zone, but he did have eight catches for 98 yards on 15 targets. I mean, it wasn't even close as far as the next guys who were targeted. Austin Eckler was second with his six. It was 15 targets and, and then everybody else as far as the passing game went to. To be expected with no Hunter Henry in this matchup. Mike Williams actually played more than was expected. We weren't sure how much he was going to play. He practiced Friday, came back. They said they would maybe just use him in red zone situations, and then he wound up playing more than that. He looked okay for the most part. Not quite 100%. You can kind of tell he wasn't 100%. You can tell that he was a late addition to the game plan. They they went into this game not really planning to use Mike Williams too much. That was also pretty clear, especially by the uh, gap between him and Keenan Allen as far as targets go, I do expect that gap to be a little bit closer when they are when they have a full week of practice out of Mike Williams, which maybe could be next week because as far as I know, he didn't suffer any setbacks in this game. Three catches, 83 yards on five targets, had a really nice long 47-yarder in this one. I think Mike Williams can go back to being a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two for you week in and week out after this week as long as he hasn't had any setbacks and he's back at practice. On the Detroit Lions side of the ball, Matt Stafford was okay. You know, he didn't have a great game, but this was a better defense than what he was facing last week, too. 245 yards, two touchdowns, also had the two picks, though. But it was big time for for Kenny Galladay. Gets back on track here, reestablished himself as a high-end wide receiver, too. Eight catches, 117 yards on a touchdown, a really nice touchdown grab at that. On 10 targets, was by far the most targeted pass catcher in this game. A lot of people are going to be panicking on TJ Hawkinson because he only had three targets for a catch on seven yards in this one where Jesse James was actually targeted one more target had three catches for 18 yards don't worry about it TJ Hawkinson's still a player he's still somebody they're going to utilize more in the red zone Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year I was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life changing amounts of cash be like Mary log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world that's ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tret Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. This was just a game that didn't have a lot of points in it, number one. And number two, Kenny Galladay was a beast in this game. 
Carrion Johnson had a had a long scamper for a touchdown, a 36-yard touchdown in this one. So there's some weirdness in the game. There wasn't a lot of opportunities. In games that they have more opportunities, in games they're going to be scoring more points, TJ Hawkins is going to be more involved. Don't bail on him after a good week last week, after the talent that he showed you. He can still be a starting tight end for you in most matchups. Marvin Jones here, six targets, was the second most targeted wide receiver, five catches, 43 yards. He's just a guy, really, at this point who might get you a touchdown every so often. I don't know if you're going to ever know what week is the week to play Marvin Jones. To me, he's more of a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four. He's somebody who might be okay to have on your bench, who if you have to play in a plus matchup and a bye week or an injury, maybe in that scenario you can, but it needs to be a plus matchup. You need to be sure that he's going to have his opportunities because there's just so many mouths to feed in the passing game, and this is a team that's trying to be more balanced and defensive-oriented throughout the season, so he's not going to be a focal part of the offense at any point this season, so I don't know what week you're really ever going to feel comfortable playing Marvin Jones. Carrion Johnson had a better outing than he did last week, but still kind of disappointing. 12 carries, 41 yards, still only 3.4 yards a carry, which is very odd. Uh, came in, two catches, 47 yards, talked about the touchdown, three targets. Still not as involved in the passing work as I would expect him to be. Three targets for Carrion Johnson. That's got to get up closer to five or six a game, in my opinion, for him to really give you back the value that you drafted him at, which was to be a higher-end RB2 in PPR leagues with the possibility of having a ceiling of being RB1 because he is a playmaker. But he's not involved enough in the passing game still. Part of that is there's a lot of people to feed. Other part of that is that, I guess, since Steeler Riddick left, they don't have an emphasis on throwing to the running back as much because it wasn't like they threw it to the running back that much last week either. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how that continues. He still looks good to me as far as his overall talent goes. C.J. Anderson was less of a factor in this game, only five carries for eight yards, so he was no factor as far as production goes. Ty Johnson actually came in, though, five carries, 30 yards out of nowhere, got some work in this one. But at the end of the day, this is still carry on Johnson's backfield. He's going to get hot at some point, and when that happens, we may see him start to take a real lead as far as the touches go. But until then, he's going to be sprinkled out enough that it's going to be kind of annoying. Only had 14 touches in this one, had less than 16 touches last week. So until he gets hot, it's probably going to be kind of annoying how much he does get taken out or how few touches that he does get. But he's a great playmaker. He's still a starting running back on this team. He's still going to be able to utilize in both the passing and the rushing game. So he's still a starter for you. But right now, moving forward, until until he gets hot, until something changes, he's more of a low-end RB2 for you than he is a hot, on the higher end of that spectrum. Next game up, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. This was another slobber knocker. Not totally surprising division game. You knew the Jaguars defense was going to play better than it did against the Chiefs. Uh, you wanted to see what Houston had, though, coming off of that tough loss, coming into a game where they're going to have all of their weapons. Watson wasn't very good in this game. 16 of 29, only 159 yards. Didn't have a passing touchdown on this one. No interceptions. He did, however, salvage your fantasy day by getting a rushing touchdown. The Jacksonville Jaguar defense, just they played up to their potential. They played up to how good they can be, and that was really the big factor in this one. And they still wound up winning the game with Houston. The big thing that we have to take out of this game was Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde had 20 carries in this game for 90 yards. He looked good. He looked more explosive than I had seen him in a couple years since he played for the 49ers. 
He looks good. To, he looked good to me on Monday Night Football, and I talked about that in the podcast. How that kind of caught me off guard. How good he looked to me, and in this game, I thought he looked even better. And the fact that they gave him twenty carries speaks volumes to me. And I'm hitting the panic button on Duke Johnson. I am. In this game, it was low scoring. There wasn't a lot going on. This is true, but for him to only be targeted once in the passing game, for him to only get six carries, thirty-one yards, so a good good average per carry, but to only get seven. Not even six total touches because the one target, he didn't catch that. And for Carlos Hyde to get 20 carries in this game, Carlos Hyde's the starting running back. That's what that screams to me. Carlos Hyde is the running back that you want to own in the Houston Texans. And for those of you who drafted Duke Johnson in the sixth round to be your RB2, he is not. I don't even, unless it's a game in which can be expected to be a shootout, and Houston's going to be in those type of games, I don't know if you can play Duke Johnson with any confidence. And the only scoring format that I would play Duke Johnson in those situations would be PPR. I'm not playing him in half point. I'm not playing him standard. I don't think the touches are going to be there. So once again, Duke Johnson just finds a way to get himself snuffed out of a position to actually get a good amount of volume. But in this case, some ways it's warranted. Because like I said, Carlos Hyde looks good to me. He's running with a chip on his shoulder They're not going to stop giving him the ball. They have a running game with him. Wide receiver-wise, you know, Hopkins was disappointing in this one. There's going to be very few games, though, where Hopkins has this low of an output. He was going up against Jalen Ramsey. Five catches, 40 yards on eight targets. Will Fuller had four catches for 40 yards on seven targets. Better days are ahead for both of these guys. Better days are ahead for the offense in general. On the Jaguar side of the ball, Minshew, of course, came in, got the start. 23 of 33, 213 yards, a touchdown. I don't think that's a stat line that really surprises you with a guy like this coming in the start. The big thing is they got to get Leonard Fournette going. He had 15 carries in this game, 47 yards, still only three yards a carry. <sighs> if they're going to be a run-first team, and if the if the offense is going to run through Leonard Fournette, which is clear that it is because on top of getting 15 carries, 47 yards, he also had six targets for four catches and 40 yards. So he still had a okay fantasy day. He still had a floor for you, just like he had a floor for you last week because he is involved on all three downs. But if you really want to get him going in the running game and really play to your defense's strengths hands by leaning on your defense, pounding away, having time of possession, you got to stop running him out of shotgun. I don't know what kind of offensive line the Jacksonville Jaguars think they have, but Leonard Fournette is a power back who runs better when he has a fullback in front of him, first of all, and from under center. If you're going to keep running this offense through shotgun, it's going to wind up being how it was a year ago, where it winds up just being outright pathetic. I don't know what you expect him to do out of that's not his strength. He's not he's not Dalvin Cook. He's not he's not a hundred mile an hour runner. He's a guy who's going to wear you down, chip away, and then start gashing you later on in games. But the problem is they're not putting him in position to do that because they want to keep running him out of the shotgun with a porous offensive line. So what I can say is that Leonard Fournette, while his production hasn't been great, fantasy-wise, he still have he still has had a decent enough floor for you to be a lower end RB two. He hasn't lost you your la- your first two weeks here because he hasn't been he hasn't been that bad. But I don't like how they're using him. His ceiling may be getting capped by the day if they continue to use him in this way. As far as the pass catchers go, DJ Shark, once again, was pretty good. Seven catches, 55 yards, a touchdown on nine targets. Chris Conley had four catches for 73 yards on five targets. It's clear that DJ Shark and Conley definitely seem to have a rapport of Minshew. And 
You know who he doesn't have a rapport with? Clearly, is D.D. Westbrook. Because even last week, D.D. Westbrook was the odd man out when Minshew took over. He won it with a touchdown, but he didn't do anything much outside of that. And in this game, he wasn't really even involved. He had five targets, but three of them were thrown where he was never going to catch him in the first place. Chris Conley and D.J. Sharks seem to have much more rapport with Garden Minshew. If D.D. Westbrook has one more output like this again next week, with Minshew being the starter for the foreseeable future, D.D. Westbrook might wind up being welcome to Flushtown next week if he has another bad one. So we're going to keep our eyes on that for right now. I'll still keep him on my bench. He's still the best pass catcher to me as far as Jaguars go. But he might be welcome. you might be welcome to Dump City in a little bit. Next game up we're going to talk about is the Colts and the Titans. This one was another kind of so-so back-and-forth game. Marlon Mack to get his 20 carries, but only 51 yards. I think Tennessee is going to be one of those defenses you want to try to avoid when it comes to your running backs. Just, they got a good front seven. They tackle really well. Jordan Wilkins came in. He had a 55-yarder, so that's why his stat line looks so good. Five carries, 82 yards. Nothing to be worried about. Marlon Mack's not going to suddenly be losing carries to Jordan Wilkins anytime soon, so nothing to be concerned about there. T.Y. Hilton did find the end zone again for the second time. Only four catches for 43 yards on six targets in this one, but there wasn't a lot of passing volume in general. Kobe Brissett only threw the ball 28 times. He only had 146 yards, but he had three touchdowns on 146 yards. Eric Ebron finds the end zone again. That's why I told you guys don't drop Eric Ebron. He's still going to be utilized in the red zone. He's still going to be maintained in that way, especially now with Devin Funches out. The guy I was most disappointed by was Deion Kane. They didn't play him as much as I thought they were going to. I thought he would get his opportunity with Funches gone. That didn't wind up being the case. It was Chester Rogers, Paris Campbell, who more so played. Paris Campbell got a touchdown too, but it was only one target, one catch for 12 yards. So, Look, outside of Eric Ebron playing him for touchdown purposes, T.Y. Hilton's the only pass catcher who you can trust. Jack Doyle, there's no reason to have him on your team either if you still did. Jacoby Brissett, I still got to see more out of him before I can put him in a streaming category for quarterback. And Marlon Mack, to me, is pretty much as safe as they come. While he didn't have a great stat line today, this is the second game in a row where he's had 20 carries. They're going to continue to lean on the run a little bit more so. Mack's going to have better matchups in his future. He is an explosive runner who could always take one to the house. So Mack is a solid RB2 for you moving forward. On the Titans side of the ball, Mariota had a kind of prototypical Mariota stat line, 19-28, only 154 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, tacked on 32 yards rushing. He's still, I don't think at any point, going to be a streaming viable candidate for me at the quarterback position. Derrick Henry was great again. 15 carries, 81 yards, a touchdown. Didn't have that 75 scamper from the receiving. Now, now we don't expect him to ever do that, really. Probably don't expect him to do that again. But the biggest thing here is that Deion Lewis is pretty much getting no work next to Derrick Henry. He only had three carries in this game, one catch. That's it. Four total touches compared to Derrick Henry's 17 total touches. There is no split right now between him and Deion Lewis. They are very much using Derrick Henry. And as long as they keep being in these games that are game plan dependent, that are going to be close, or they'll be able to utilize the running game, Derrick Henry's going to continue to be efficient, and he's going to continue to be an RB2 for you proving one of my offseason calls wrong as far as him being a bust so far through two weeks. As far as the pass catchers go, Delaney Walker was still the number one here pass catcher. Didn't have a big game. Four catches, 39 yards on six targets, but once again, the second week in a row, he was the most targeted pass catcher. This one, Corey Davis had the same amount of targets as A.J. Brown. Both had three catches. Davis had 38. A.J. Brown at 25. This isn't a heavy volume passing 
team. So there's going to be weeks where none of the pass catchers really put up much of a stat. So that, that's just, they all have low floors because of the, how the offense is, essentially. Delaney Walker is the one you trust the most, plus he's in a tight end position. So when he doesn't have a great week, it doesn't necessarily kill you as much as it does at wide receiver. But I still think A.J. Brown is going to wind up taking over as a wide receiver one at some point. And this game didn't do anything to wave me off of that. We're going to take one last break, come back. We have three more games to get through, and then we'll close down the podcast. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. So next up to talk about, we have the Saints and the Rams. And before we really get into the brass tacks of this game, we have to talk about the injury concerns. Drew Brees goes down with a thumb injury. We don't know exactly what the thumb injury is. Now, I'm recording this late Sunday, so I am getting news that he is staying in Los Angeles to see a hand specialist who is out there already, and they're going to run some tests. We should know more by the time you're listening to this on Monday morning or into Monday afternoon, we should have a better idea with Drew Brees. I will be tweeting out about him, so make sure you're following me there at MDSFFShow. That's going to be a big one to watch moving forward because it could mean Teddy Bridgewater taking over. Teddy Bridgewater could become streamworthy. It could be it could mean knocking down Michael Thomas a little bit. It could mean leaning on the run game a little bit more. This game was weird from the get-go. First of all, it was really a low-scoring game. Yes, the Rams wound up winning 27-9. to They had a much better second half offensively as a team. But in the first half, this was a 6-3 to ball game. This was a very low-scoring game, very ugly type of game. Bridgewater wasn't great when he came in. 17-30, only 165. Didn't have a touchdown. Didn't have an interception. But... Michael Thomas still had 10 catches. And at the end of the day, the only pass catcher who you're really trusting on the Saints is Michael Thomas. And he had 10 catches for 89 yards on 13 targets. So as long as that continues to be the case, he will still be a top-end PPR wide receiver for you and still a wide receiver one in any scoring format. He will still get peppered all the time. The guy who I kept telling you guys, don't play is Jared Cook. And if Teddy Bridgewater takes over, I don't know if I'm going to have a game in which I trust Jared Cook at any point this season. I only trust him a little bit at home when Drew Brees is actually playing. Take Drew Brees out of the equation entirely. I don't know when I'm going to feel comfortable playing Jared Cook because I think he's back to being a journeyman. I've talked about that before. What was disappointing, Alvin Kamara wasn't very involved in this game. Even when they fell down in the second half, he only had three targets. One catch for 15 yards. Even if Teddy Bridgewater is a quarterback, that's not something that I expect to continue. So I'm not going to be too concerned about Alvin Kamara fans. It's just this will probably be his worst statistical game of the year. So I'm not going to be too concerned. He had 13 carries, 45 yards, wasn't very impressive. Latavius Murray didn't get worked in a lot here. Only five carries, seven yards, one catch for 16 yards. And I don't expect Latavius Murray to get worked in a lot in games in which they are down. I will expect Alvin Kamara to be more involved, though, but I'm not going to expect much from Latavius Murray in those games. Now, I thought this game would be close. I thought there'd be a lot of high-scoring game. Scoring back and forth at the very least, that wasn't the case. But it's one of those weird games. The Saints will bounce back. They're on the road. You know sometimes you got to tick down, guys. I still think Latavius Murray could be a flex for you. Alvin Kamara, there's nothing to worry about 
Michael Thomas, maybe his ceiling takes a little bit of a tick. He's still going to be a wide receiver one at the end of the day. We're just going to have to keep our eyes exactly what happens with Drew Brees moving forward. On the Rams side of the ball, Goff did play better. It took all the way to the second half for him to look relevant as far as fantasy purposes go, and it was still disappointing at the end of the day. Uh, 19-28, 283 yards, a touchdown. He didn't throw an interception in this one. He did get you a rushing touchdown on a quarterback sneak, which is really what helped out his fantasy day. But at the, all in all, it was disappointing. And all in all, I've been disappointed with the Rams' offense in general. They have, Even though they have put up 27 and 30 points the first two weeks, it's been the most mundane, ugly-looking 27 to 30 points I've ever seen in my life. And this is an offense that has, looks more like what we saw towards the end of last season than what we saw in the beginning of last season, even with Todd Gurley on the field. And the biggest thing that I've noticed through the first two weeks is that the running backs haven't been involved in the passing game, Todd Gurley or Malcolm Brown. Todd Gurley was the only one who got a target out of the backfield last week, and it was only one target. This week... He only had he had four targets, three catches, only for four yards. But that, to me, has been the biggest thing. Malcolm Brown had one target in this one. So they went to five targets total for the running backs, but not in positions for them to do well. And I talked about this in the offseason. The biggest thing about the Rams and why their offense didn't look as good in general, especially the passing offense, was, was twofold. Cooper Cup was out. That was part of it. The other part of it is that this offense thrives, especially in the passing game, when they can utilize the running back as a mismatch and being able to check down the to Todd Gurley and being able to pick up big chunks off of that. Being able to pick up big chunks of the running back in the passing game. And those that's the one thing that has not been a factor through the first two weeks, and I think a big reason why this passing attack hasn't looked as good as it has been. Now, one cool thing here is that Todd Gurley had... A few more carries this week than he did last week. In all, he had 19 touches in this game. Not a big output as far as yards goes. Only 63 yards, 67 yards total. Does get the rushing touchdown. I told you guys all going into this game. It happened to be Malcolm Brown's series last week when he scored those two rushing touchdowns at the goal line. They didn't take Todd Gurley out of the goal line and put Malcolm Brown in. It just happened to be the series that he was on. This week, it showed, it proved that to you because it was Todd Gurley's series. They didn't take him out for Malcolm Brown. They kept him in the game. They gave him a toss play. He got the run and he got the running to score the touchdown. The other thing I'm seeing is that the interior part of the offensive line of the Rams doesn't look as good as it did a season ago either. And that's also playing an aspect, especially in this game, they weren't able to run up the middle at all against the Saints. They had to run off tackle. They had to run off the tosses. And Gurley had a nice little scamper. He had a 20-yard run in this one. Wasn't typically efficient, but I think better days are ahead. And it looks good that it looked good to me at least that Todd Gurley got 19 touches in this game. Didn't look hindered. Didn't have a setback. So that's I think better days are ahead for Todd Gurley. I think he's going to be picking up momentum as we move forward. And there was more of a discrepancy in touches between him and Malcolm Brown in this one. Malcolm Brown only had seven touches total to Todd Gurley's 19. So that was also good to see. They got Todd Gurley more involved in the second half when the offense was better with him being more involved. So all those are positive signs for Todd Gurley moving in the right direction. Right now, he's still a high-end RB2 for you, but if he continues to be okay and not hindered and they can continue to give him this amount of touches, he'll have better matchups ahead. I think that offensive line will play better. I think he could find himself in the lower end of RB1s as the season progresses. But for now, I think he's a very solid RB2. With upside because he is Todd Gurley. He has still has that explosive ability. He showed you that on a couple of the runs in this game. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. As far as pass catches go, Cooper Cup was great. Five catches, 120 yards on nine targets. He was by far the most targeted wide receiver in this one. Robert Woods should have had a better day. It seemed like every time Robert was Robert Woods, he had a touchdown call back from penalty. He had a, a couple big, nice first down plays that got called back on penalty. It seemed like any time Robert Woods got the ball, there was some kind of offensive holding or blocking the back or something that got the play called back. He wound up with only two catches for 33 yards on two targets in this one. Had a carry for nine yards. Robert Woods is still good. He's, he's going to be your solid wide receiver two week in and week out. This was a weaker statistical performance that really could have been a lot better had it not been for penalties. Not worried about that there. Brandon Cooks is a little bit back on track. Only four targets in this game, but three catches, 74 yards. Had a touchdown, a nice 57-yarder. That's what Brandon Cooks likes to do. That he was fine as well. I think the biggest thing is that they got to get this offense back to where it was, and everyone's going to be able to start eating even more and more. But so far through the first two weeks, the wide receivers have been fine for you in general. It's getting Gurley more involved. It's getting Jared Goff back to where he was a season ago. For the Chiefs and the Raiders, Patrick Mahomes did all of his damage in one quarter. One quarter. Second quarter. Patrick Mahomes threw over 400 yards, 443 yards, four touchdowns. All four of those touchdowns came in the second quarter. Absolutely bananas. In fact, all of the scoring from both teams came in the first half. Nobody did anything in the second half, which was very odd. But no, no one did anything in the second half. Injury-wise, Damian Williams left with a knee injury, didn't come back. We don't know how severe it is, but here's what we do know. If he is going to be out for any significant amount of time, LeSean McCoy's value just shot right through the roof. Because he is somebody we know can catch the ball. He isn't a playmaker. We know Andy Reid likes to stick with one guy if he can. And while I suspect that Darwin Thompson would have somewhat of a role in the passing game, I do think a scenario where LeSean McCoy could take over as the main runner and be a three-down guy in this system is very real. And I've been on the record with this plenty of times already. I think he's better than Damian Williams, even at his age. So wasn't great in this game. 11 carries, 23 yards, uh, three receptions, went for zero yards. But in this offense, if Damian Williams is going to miss some time and McCoy comes, becomes a starter, McCoy might automatically become an RB2 with upside. So if you had LaShawn McCoy, if you drafted him, he might be paying off big time for you in the near future. As far as the pass catchers go, we're trying to replace Tyree Kill. What do you do? Well, I said it was going to be a split between Robinson and Hardman, and uh, I didn't really realize how right I was going to be about that. Six catches for 172 yards, two touchdowns on six targets for Demarcus Robinson. Absolutely crazy. The only thing that was disappointing in this game was that Sammy Watkins only had six catches for 49 yards. I had him plugged in as a wide receiver one with no Tyree Kill. And I don't think I was really wrong about that in the sense of he was by far the most targeted wide receiver on this team. 13 targets. Nobody else on this team had double-digit targets in this game. Travis Kelsey was the second most with nine. He had seven catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown. This is just an offense with a lot of speed. This is going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. 
Guys like Robinson, guys like Mecole Harbin, who had four catches for 61 yards and a touchdown in this one on a nice long 42-yarder. Guys like this are going to they're going to have touchdowns. They're going to have touches out of nowhere sometimes. This is going to happen. I don't think that one that was definitely Demarcus Robinson's best game of the season. I don't think he's somebody who you can depend on on a week-to-week basis. I'm not suddenly going to go out and pick up Demarcus Robinson and then start him next week. It's not what I'm going to do. Not something you can trust. Same thing goes with Mikal Harmon. Their plays came off of big bombs. They, they weren't they weren't focal points of the offense when it came to just trying to move the chains and make a play. It came off of bombs. Sammy Watkins, the fact that he had 13 targets tells me that while Tyreek Hill is out, he is going to be the number one wide receiver. He's going to be utilized that way. And sometimes it's just the ball is not going to go his way as far as having a huge game. But Sammy Watkins, to me, is still going to be considered, my book, a low-end wide receiver one until Tyreek Hill comes back. Everybody else was great. On the Raiders' side of the ball, Tyrell Williams got knocked up for a little bit in this game. He was able to come back in, had the touchdown, five catches, 46 yards with a touch on seven targets, tied for the most targets with Darren Waller, who has six catches for 63 yards. The passing game is going to flow through the two of them. Plain, plain and simple. Hunter Renfro got involved here a little bit more than he was last week, but still only four catches for 30 yards. They are not going to him as much as I thought they would. And I thought if we if we were going to see Hunter Renfro get involved, it would be this matchup. That was not the case. But moving forward, it's Tyra Williams, it's Darren Waller. Those are going to be the pass catchers. Those are going to be the guys you know are going to have a certain type of volume. Josh Jacobs was good in this game. He actually got knocked out for a little bit and came back in, but he had 12 carries for 99 yards. He had a 50-yarder in this one. Looks pretty good. The only difference was he didn't get involved in the passing game in this game, but even Jalen Richard wasn't that involved. Three targets, two catches, two yards. Derek Carr was terrible. 23 of 38, 198 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions against what's a poorest defense. It just goes to show you Derek Carr is still not that level where you can stream him, but... He's able to do enough to keep guys fantasy relevant. Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Tyrell Williams. Those are guys in certain matchups. Darren Waller actually might be a top-end tight end two, tight end one, week in, week out. Tyrell Williams is somebody who I think is a top-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three. On certain matchups, I think you're going to be able to start him. And Josh Jacobs, I think, is an RB two. And I think it's going to remain true throughout the season. Last game we're going to talk about in this episode is the Bears and the Broncos game. That was a crazy game, a nice wild finish. I was pissed because I had the Broncos win that game. I thought they locked it up. I thought Vic Vangio was stupid for going for two, even though it worked out. Doug Marone did the same thing earlier in the day, fell flat on his face, just kicked the extra point. And I think Vic, even though the two-point conversion actually worked out for the Denver Broncos in this situation, I still think Vic Vangio should be held as being accountable because had you just kicked the extra point, Chicago wouldn't have tried to come back all aggressive down the opposite side of the field. This game would have went to overtime where your defense had been playing really well and you probably would have gotten your opportunity on offense, kick a field goal, and go ahead and take the lead and go ahead and win the game. But no, you had to go for two, so Chicago had no choice but to go down the other field, and your defense didn't make the stop. Didn't make the stop. As far as fantasy purposes go, Mr. Trubisky was awful. 16-27, 120 yards. 120 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Didn't add you anything on the ground game. Mr. Trubisky is fantasy irrelevant. And if he's on your roster, you can go ahead and dump him. 
Although I think most people had him at least bench, if nothing else. Allen Robinson was the number one receiver again for them. Didn't have quite the performance he did last week. Didn't go over 100 yards. But he did have seven targets, which is by far the most targets. Four catches, 41 yards. He has yet to find the end zone. That will come. I think when they get back at home, better matchups. We knew this was going to be a tough defensive struggle with Vic Fangio. Knows the team really well, obviously. Is trying to get his defense in Denver up to snuff. And they played well in this game. Not from a fantasy standpoint, because they didn't get you much as far as sacks and turnovers, but they played well in this game as a, from a football standpoint. But at the end of the day, Allen Robinson's the only pass catcher I want on the Bears. Trey Burton did play in this game, was a non-factor. Running game-wise, it looks like David Montgomery took over. It looks like Matt Nagy went back, watched the tape, saw what the rest of us saw, that David Montgomery, head and shoulders, is the best running back they had. They gave him the ball 18 times for 62 yards, a touchdown. He'll have better matchups ahead, and he was pretty good in this game. David Montgomery might finally be on the cusp starting next week of being a lower-end RB2 for you week in and week out and maybe gaining steam with you after that. Mike Davis was hardly involved, which he shouldn't be anyway. And Tariq Cullen was mildly involved. And I expect him to just be more involved in the passing game than anything else. On the Broncos side of the ball, Joe Flacco was better than Trubisky. Still wasn't great. 35 of 50. One touchdown, one interception in this game. The biggest thing was Royce Freeman surprised me in this game. Royce Freeman had a nice little game here. 11 carries, 54 yards. Five catches for 48 yards. The amount that he was involved in the passing game was shocking to me. Now, the biggest thing that I noticed of why he was involved in the passing game is because it was clear they trusted him more as a pass protector to Joe Flacco against the Bears. Now, Philip Lindsay, he's not the greatest pass protector in the world, but he knows how to use his little body to get in the way of pass rush. He knows where to pick up the blitz. He's not a bad pass protector. He's just a really small guy. And when you had Khalil Mack barreling down the outside, there was just, Philip Lindsay could get in his way, and it was just, you know, it was like a breath of, you know, it was like a breeze blowing by. It was like nothing there. It was like going through toilet paper. So they bring in Royce Freeman. He got more involved, and he wound up getting seven targets in this game. Phil Lindsay got seven targets too. Four catches, 30 yards. He wasn't nearly as efficient as Royce Freeman in the run game. 13 carries, 36 yards. This is very much a 50-50 split in the carries. I don't think... I think this will be the last time we see there be 50-50 as far as the passing attack goes. I think it was just the matchup and what they needed Royce Freeman for against a bigger body pass rush that is the Chicago Bears and you're going to see out of most teams. So I don't think it's going to be 50-50 as far as the pass catching goes from here on out. But this the rushing attack is definitely 50-50. And I think you have to wait for plus matchups in order to feel comfortable to play either one of them. I wouldn't have played Royce Freeman in this game even though he had a decent game here. I wouldn't have played Philip Lindsay. It's going to be matchup based as far as when to play these guys moving forward. But both I think have flex appeal in plus matchups that they will have some of this year. Emmanuel Sanders was great in this game. 11 catches, 98 yards, a touchdown, 13 targets, by far the most targeted wide receiver. Cortland Sutton, I think more times than not, is going to be that most targeted guy. But Emmanuel Sanders had the bigger mismatch in this game, and they threw the ball a ton, and that's why they had to go to him. Cortland Sutton here, four catches, 40 yards, seven targets. Took him a little bit while to get involved in this game. Better days are ahead for him. I do think at the end of the day, he's going to be the most targeted wide receiver on this football team. It just happened to work out for this game. But Emmanuel Sanders looked great. And Emmanuel Sanders continues to be a guy who not only should be on your teams, but can be can be considered as a high-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three that is going to be able to play in your flex from time to time. That wraps up the podcast. 
I know we went a little bit longer than usual, but that recap shows for the Sunday. We have a lot that we got to talk about and get to. So I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you guys got all the information you needed. Remember, I'll be back tomorrow with the Sunday night and the Monday night recap along with the waiver wire segment. And I will also have the waiver wire segment for you available on a live stream version on Sportscaster later on Tuesday night if you want to go check that out. I would just be the waiver wire segment for that one, the waiver wire report, as I call it, on the Sportscaster video. Make sure you're checking out the podcast on Radio Public or your favorite podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever the MD's Manny Football Show is widely available to you. Make sure you're checking me out on my networks, Overtime Heroics, Belly Up Sports, Unwrapped Sports Network, all great work going on there. And make sure you're checking out the website. We'll have all the rankings again up for you for week three. We have some articles up for you. We have the scoring leaders. You can go back and check to see what everyone's doing and get a grasp of where everyone's standing at as far as two weeks into the season. And make sure you're following me on social media, at Show on Twitter for the player update news notifications, at Show on Facebook. And, of course, you can contact me directly via email if you go to the website, www.mdffshow.com. Make sure you get your start sit questions in for the preview shows on Thursday and Friday. I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.